Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry, feathered, or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and salutations, listeners, to episode 127 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking to pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Andert, and I'm joined this week by a man who is about to release his new book. It's called Riding the Bumps, A Beginner's Guide to Veterinary Phrenology. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? Good, mate. I'm good, Robbie. I Phrenology, is that collecting stamps? Phrenology? You don't know about phrenology? Um, okay. No. Nah. No, no, okay. So phrenology, here it is from the uh, from the Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. um, so phrenology, meaning mind and knowledge, is a pseudoscience which involves the measurement of bumps on the skull to predict mental traits. Oh, I've got a big bump at the back, big bump on the cranium. What does that mean? Yes. Uh, that, that, that means that it's going to take us five shots to actually be able to record the podcast today. I think that's what that one means. We've, you know, um, we've had a few false starts. I mean, a few mer- emergency phone calls. We, um, <laughs> <laughs> one from, one from my daughter, one, one from my dad. And then now, uh, now one, one from Christina, just to let you know she's on her way. But everything's all fine. Yeah, we're all good. So now, so now we're recording. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised you haven't heard about phrenology, mate. It's, it's quite, a, you know, quite an interesting one that was debunked after a while for people thinking they could feel the lumps and bumps on people's heads and being able to predict whether or not they had certain mental health illnesses. Interesting. It's funny that it didn't carry on for long, didn't, didn't last long. Interesting. No, but I think, I think there's something there for veterinary phrenology, though, mate. You know, I think you could um, really come in and try and sort of feel the the, you know, the 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 craniums the skull caps of dogs and cats and try and come up with some sort of a it might even be uh, you might even be able to do that and be able to predict uh, the the breeds of dogs like on oh, the app pretty sure we could do yeah pretty sure we could do that and probably like if you felt like a, a pug or something compared to maybe a gold uh, golden a border collie i guess you could say possibly one might be smarter than the other one yes yes but not not trying to say which one's which, but you might be able to predict that without just feeling the head, I reckon. Well, is it is that a way of, you know, if you're trying to predict what what breed is which, you're just feeling the border collie and go, hang on, this one's got a tennis ball in its mouth. And, uh, <laughs> you know, as you, you're trying to have a feel of the pug and, you know, you just put a little bit of pressure on its head and suddenly its eyes start to bulge out a little bit more. You go, oh, hang on. Cover one nostril briefly and it collapses from lack of breathing. <laughs> yes, and and the border collie's just there, you know, playing four games of chess with uh, with some Russian Russian guy online. Now, yeah, you know, yeah, and, and and a computer. Is it definitely a Russian guy that's online? Or yeah, it, right. Yeah. And they're good at chess. Pretty they, sure. Well, they, well, I'm sure they are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very, and tennis. Very, anyway, how's your week been, mate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um not as relaxed as yours by the sounds of it. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm on holidays. Hey! Yeah, as of uh, as of today, which is nice, you know. Going, we uh, we're going on a trip. I think we probably as well, a, where as are you a, going to? We we well, right, paint, paint us a picture of your holiday. As we're talking talking um, off air, um, probably today today. Yep, just in the in the study today tomorrow, probably front yard. I reckon. Nice. I think, I think might go front yard, and then maybe. Maybe the next day I might might hit to the backyard a little bit. Maybe. Oh, then, very and good. Then, yeah, depending on how I feel, you know. 
because because we are in lockdown, aren't we? No, we, we, we are. Can't, we can't travel further than five kilometres from our homes. No. Um, and I must say, it is warming up on the weekend, so I probably actually might head down to the beach. Cause well, there you go. Get to the beach with five k's. Is that the beach outside of your backyard? Uh, you, you can't quite see, yeah. but not far, not far away. Yeah, yeah, not, too, not quite. Yeah, not quite there, not quite there. And um, so, yeah, no, yeah. but week's, week was busy. We're, we're booked at the clinic. I don't know about you guys, but about at least three or four days in advance, uh, we are fully booked up. Yeah, right. That's yeah. It. It's interesting. Is we're, um, <laughs> we'll start the day and we'll have, oh, say, half a dozen consults booked, maybe seven or eight consults booked. But by yeah. the end of the day absolutely chockers, 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 you know, right. like we're, so, so we're filling up all the way through the day, but we're actually not uh, all that, we're not all that booked up. Like as what you guys are sort of the three days out, which is you know, really bizarre. And we've, we've just come to expect that now. No, you, you can't think that, well, hang on, it's looking quiet. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a quiet day because it just, the phones just start going bananas from, you know, at half past nine and it just doesn't stop until four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So true. And I mean, we're, we're sort of booked, booked ahead and sort of the point where the, the day starts, you know, like, where am I going to put the obvious urgent phone calls we're going to get, you know? Yes. It's just, uh, it's just, just uh, really hectic. Starts to make things pretty, pretty, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty busy. Um, we, um, uh, we, we had an interesting day on Wednesday, you know, on that of where do you, where do you put in the, put in the sick ones? And again, it, absolutely 100% my fault because I got my surgeries finished and thought, I'm actually going to get to have lunch today. This Ooh, is pretty bye. good. Bye. Yeah. yeah. No, no. It's, it's, as, as soon as I said it, as soon as I said it, then. Oh, hang on. Yeah, we've got a we've got a puppy coming down. It's just eaten uh, eaten the packet of the other dog's Cushing's medication. Oh, oh, wow. Yes, that's you know, not good. It's <laughs> not good. And and when I say eaten the packet, so the dogs come in. We've given it the the apomorphine to make yeah. it, and it literally vomited up the packet. Oh my goodness! Mate. It up the packet, the, the the cardboard, the bits of foil. Oh my goodness! Unfortunately, no capsules in there. So, oh. oh, what? No capsules? So it was empty. You mean? No, 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 no. I think the capsules had like it had popped all the things because we had found all these yeah. little bits of yeah. um, of aluminium. Oh, so you have the aluminium foil, but now the capsules had all dissolved away already inside oh, of the dog's no. stomach. So oh. all of his breakfast was there. So we figured that was still floating around in the milieu of of the breakfast. But um, yeah, that had all that had all gone in. Wow. So just as we're trying to make that dog vomit, then um, so by this stage it's half past one. I get that. That's fine. I'll still have time to time to you know have lunch. Is still on the cards. The lunch is still on the cards. That'd be right. I'd be able to get down, get myself a nice pork roll or maybe a pie or something like that. That'd be yeah, great. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Then uh, comes then uh, practice manager comes and goes. Look, uh, were you planning on going down and getting getting some lunch? I said, yeah, yeah, I was. She got oh. You've probably got about five minutes to get down there and get it because we've got someone coming down with three dogs that have been into rat bait. Oh, I got, oh, wow. okie dokie. Right. I don't think we're going to, I don't yeah. think I'm going to get a chance to have lunch here. And, um, and so they go, okay, right. Well, let's get ready for the, for these three Labradors that have had access to rat bait. And then she taps me on the shoulder and says, but we've got a problem. I said, yeah. She said, yeah. Oh, this is all the apomorphine we've got. I was just going to say that, yeah. <laughs> one, so, one crumbly little tablet between four Labradors ain't going to cut it. Uh, so we so we had one full tablet of apomorphine. Yeah. yeah. Then there was two, like, you know, two thirds, three quarters tablets left. Yeah. Then a whole lot of powder, all right? Yeah. And so I've gone, 
Okay, right. Well, the one that we're pretty sure has had the had the rat bait. We're going to stick that into into its eye, um, and and we'll make that one make that one uh, vomit. Then perhaps, the, perhaps a bit of wind it back a bit, just for the the uneducated listeners. Yes. When we make dogs vomit, we have a special little tablet called apomorphine or yes. a medication called apomorphine. It comes in a tiny little sort of crumbly sort of tablet that. Uh, can be given many ways, but a really common way is we put it sort of just under the eyelid and it gets absorbed mm. into the bloodstream from the conjunctiva of the eye. Yes. And then once they finish vomiting, uh, we can sort of flush that out and it can help, you know, to stop them from continually vomiting. So, so what we're talking about is these little crumbly little tablets that Robbie's got to maybe one and a quarter and some, some powder left. And, and some bits. So, so give the, the, the full tablet to the one that we're pretty, to the dog we're pretty sure has had the rat bait. We go, right, this one we need to do. So this one's got to get the, get the full tablet. It didn't work for that dog. So, oh. so, so she's sitting there, she's not vomiting. Oh, no. the, the three quarter tablet we gave to one, to one of the dogs and he's vomited up, uh, you know, MCG's worth of grass. No, no rat bait in there at all. Okay, right. Well, it's good that he bought his one up. And the yeah. other one that, that was the possibly the second one that was going to have had it. Yeah. Still no action on her, her three quarters of a tablet. So, 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 I, I, and all in this time, we've got another consult that's come in. We've got one vet out trying to deal oh, with wow. this. Puppy that's eating all of the, all of this Cushing's and, medication, trying to work out what we're going to have to do to try and treat that. And it was all your fault, mate, because he said, I'm going to go and have lunch. All my fault. All my fault. <laughs> So I'll come back in after um, come back in after seeing the next consult, waiting to see whether or not the, uh, these two other Labradors are going to vomit, and they haven't. And then um, uh, the nurse comes in with this little folded up bit of paper with all this powder in there, and she's gone, "This is all. This is what we've got left. What are you going to do?" I know. I know what you did. You rolled up a ten dollar, a hundred dollar bill in a nice little tube, and then nice little tube. There it was. And then I just sucked it and then blue, blue, you know, just, just retrograded it from the hundred dollar note. I did say and that. Then, to, and then Robbie was there vomiting and the dogs are just looking at him. <laughs> I, I, did, I did say that to, I said that to Lynn. I said, oh, gee, the only way this would have been more dodgy is you were cutting it up on a mirror and then rolled it up in a hundred dollar note. And so, so with this folded up bit of paper, we've just, it just it's so quietly, just gently held down the dog's lower eyelid so we could just... Yeah. Conjunctiva, tipped a little bit more of the powder. Yeah. Right, so I've tipped some of it in. Go and find the other dog. Tip that in, oh and then made God. them both vomit. And then the one of them brought up a whole lot of oh. uh, rat bait. And so then, oh, thank goodness we could keep going on. So well done, yeah. wow. We and this Cushing's dog. What do you put on uh, cortisone for a couple of weeks? Yeah, oh yeah, basically. So the um, so the because it's the um, the vet oral, the enzyme blocker. Um, so we're talking to the company, and they said that look, it should be all out of the dog system within a few days. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, well, yeah, because it's because it's only a fairly short acting thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. So it's a matter of then. Um, so we put it on fluids for forty eight hours, and then um, we're about to get invaded. Um, but put it on fluids for forty eight hours, uh, checking its electrolytes to make sure it wasn't looking like it was going to be getting sick from that. Um, so, so, so the, the, the risk is, listeners, is that if you've treated them with the medication that's going to treat the Cushing's and it goes too far, then you can get Addison's disease. Do you want to have a little break? Say hi to the kids. Yeah, okay, yeah, hang on, just a break. Hi, Ruben, how are you? Hi, I'm Dr. Katrina, and you're listening to, is it, hang on, Two Vets, Two Pets, right? Uh, two, vets, two, vets. T- two Vets Talk Pets. Talk Pets, Two Vets, yeah, okay. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Katrina, and you're listening to Two Vets Talk Pets. All right, we're back. Sorry for the for the brief little interlude there, listeners. We uh, had another little false alarm. The kids had just come in from the park and run around, so I just had to quickly uh, pull the uh, pull the pin on a on a couple of iPad ha- hand grenades, so we can actually try and see if we can get this get get this podcast recorded. Oh no! So you um, so you gave you put the dog on fluids, put um, it on a drip, and so yeah, it's just just uh, keeping an eye on it with uh, with cortisone and just seeing what it's going to do. But it was um, the the dog was going absolutely boonanas for the. Um, uh, for for the couple of days that it was in the uh, that it was in hospital, um, and it, it's six month old Samoyed, so it's just it's just you know what they're like. Oh they're wow! Just, oh nanas! Yeah! Oh golly! So I think um, you know it certainly would have tested its adrenal glands out being in there nice and uh, you know, nice and aroused being in a vet clinic and then being suppressed with um, all, all of this medication. <laughs> just got everything. I've never had a dog eat, eat that before. So no, that I was, haven't. No, I haven't either. No, that's what I was saying. What do you do? But yeah, good you got it sorted. Good, yes. mate. Yeah, now, how I about you? A, yeah. well, I saw an article this week. Yes. That I wasn't sure, was, you know, uh, just on the footy briefly, that yes. uh, Collingwood, Collingwood are playing Port Adelaide. Is that right on the weekend? Uh, Monday, think, correct. Yeah, on, on Monday. So apparently apparently there was an article saying that they're, they're dipping their balls in baby oil as prepara- preparation for the game on Monday, mate. Do you hear anything about that? Uh, well, that, it, do, it does sound very interesting that um, that you could. Uh, I think they, they like the they, they like that the slippery smooth nature of a of an oiled up ball. Apparently. Well, yeah. We, uh, who's the source of the baby ball? Is that is that just is that just bucks? Just they're, they're just going to get bucks to cuddle the balls? Is that is that what they're is that what they're doing? And just because he he was a lover of the baby oil, he was often well greased up himself. Well, when, I think it's more of a more of a cupping of the uh, of the. Of the <laughs> <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Talking about the just, yeah, I, I think it's because of the, I think it's going to be slippery and wet. What do slippery, you think? Oh, well, slippery when wet. Oh, geez, you've been listening to some old Bon Jovi, have you? <laughs> oh, very good. Oh, so that explains it. I think it's going to be wet on Monday. Yeah. It's about rain, so they've been dipping their balls in baby oil and water or something. Yeah, well, that's right. The I think it's. Uh, Really, I thought they would have been dipping it all in hand sanitizer as well. Anyway, you know, for all the COVID stuff. So I don't know. Maybe hand sanitizer plus baby oil might make it twice as twice as slippery. I think the hand sanitizer is just after they've had the kebab. Pretty sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, after kebab <laughs> well, that, gate. That, that's that's the way that the Richmond players. That's the protocol there, isn't it? Yeah, you know, dip right. the hands yeah. in in the hand sanitizer after eating the kebab. The Does kebab. the kebab have to go into the hand sanitizer as well? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but uh, but I'm pretty sure you need plenty of hand sanitizer after visiting the certain establishment that was before the kebab. The the, the, the Holly Hollywood uh, yes, uh, Hollywood yes. Men's Club. Yes, yes it is, isn't that terrible? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, on, on on less football news. Oh no, I just had to be. I, I thought foot. it might have been. A, I thought your um your your, your baby oil uh, balls in baby oil might have been a steel side bottom reference. Yeah, because um, like Ruben was saying the other day that he had a had had a pain in the nether regions. He and I said, "Oh, what steel side bottom wise?" Yeah, because he got kicked in the kicked yeah. in the regions early this year and split one of them in half. And he's got no, not that bad. I go, "Well, that's good. If it's not as bad as steels, and that's okay." Um, uh, anyway, so big thank you to Zilkey. 
<laughs> They'll be wrapped with that intro. Um, what an intro. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, the big, big supporters of the show. Uh, anxiety, low medication. That um, it's a, it's a um, good mild product. Has no side effects. Um, we're getting a lot of use of it at the moment. And I'm tipping once we come out of COVID, I reckon that that will be selling just bucket loads of the stuff. So, thank you very much, Zilcare for Zilkeen for your support. Um, and what about uh, who's our food sponsor, mate? Ah, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's still Delicate Care. You know, yep. uh, the, uh, the Australian-made, Australian-owned uh, uh, food with uh, all kinds of different uh, different options there. The, uh, oh, crikey, the, the, there's the dental one that for, for the cats that uh, that our cats have been chewing on. There's the skin and stomach, which is the, the novel protein diet. It's got um, kangaroo and duck, so yeah, good for gut or skin problems. Also got the weight management and the mobility mo- uh, support for dogs too. So, uh, yep. you know, yep. uh, love some vets. Olive loves the dental, loves the shape of it, I think. I've had a chat to it. Loves the uh, the sort of star shape that it is. Really, really enjoys it, she's been telling me. So thank you very much, Delicate Care. You should, should get her to send the send a memo out to the prof's cat and let it, let, let him know how much, uh, you know, what was what was the name of his cat again? Uh, uh, Puddin? Uh, I'm not sure. Can't, not sure. Could be Puddin. Yeah, it could be Puddin. Could have been Puddin. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway. And also <laughs> Patreon subscribers. Thanks, Patreon subscribers. Uh, boy, you're sure getting your money's worth today. Uh, <laughs> It's been Thank a stop start yeah. pod, hasn't it, today? Yeah. Anyway, this is this is an article I saw in the Sydney Morning Herald, mate. Yes. Um, just to bring bring it up a, a level, uh, entitled, it was called Heavy Petting. Oh, nice. Yeah. Freeze drying pets to preserve them forever. See what they've done there? Hey, yes. Heavy petting. Decades ago, when the family border collie was killed by a car, my four-year-old refused to accept that poor Badger would never be seen again. Let's make him into a mat, she chirped. <laughs> Fair call. Right yeah. this is, Sounds this like she got over it pretty quickly. This, this is written by Frank Robson. I wonder if it, was, it would be a mat like, the, like the, line, you know, the old lion sort of mat or the tiger mat, you know, with the, the head there and, and The marbles so in the eyes, yes, you know, the teeth, the teeth open with yeah. a tennis, tennis ball in the mouth. Yes, maybe. Boy, yeah. Collie, spot on. Back then, if you really wanted to keep a pet beyond its mortal span, you took it to a da- taxidermist who transferred it into a permanent keepsake. Yes. Not many people did this for the same reason. Very few border collies got made into mats. <laughs> Most of us felt that hanging out with dead things was seriously creepy. Well, now there's a new option for grieving animal lovers who just can't let go of expired friends. Freeze drying. Wow, there we go. We're space age stuff. This is NASA style gear here. Through a combination of very low temperature and vacuum application, all moisture is removed, leaving the tissues otherwise unaltered, explains the website of the US-based Perpetual Pet. Is this a is this a Dyson style vacuum? Uh, vacuuming situation, you know, is this a new attachment that you can get onto your, uh, you know, you've got, you've got your little fur ball head on the Dyson. Is there one for freeze drying a, a deceased pet as well? <laughs> Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you attach it though. <laughs> I'm not sure. Mate, is, it, is it like an air dryer, an air, an air fryer? Is it like that? Oh. I see we go. I mean, everyone's getting the air fryer. Yeah. Now, and it seems to be such a good way of cooking your chips. You just got to get the air freeze dryer for your pets. Perfect way to cook fluffy is in the air dryer. We're not trying to cook her. We're trying to preserve her here, mate. It's like, like dipping her in jam. Well, it says the pet is returned to room temperature and remains indefinitely in the same condition. Oh, wow. 
for more. Do, do, they, they, do they try and change the shape of it after it's been hit by the car? Because it's probably not. Well, oh, yeah. Do they do <laughs> yeah. some reconstructing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah, it's already made into a mat if it's been hit and run over by a car, isn't it? That's, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. Sorry, listeners. That's not <laughs> thinking like that. For more than a decade, Kathy and her mate, Oddball. Oddball, right. Thank you. The, yes. the Staffordshire Terry. Don't get it confused that Kathy's the Oddball no. and the dog's the Staffordshire Terry. Staffordshire Terry is, 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 the is, oddball. is Oddball. All right, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Yep, I'm following. We're pretty much inseparable. When he died at their home in Gympie, Queensland, five years ago, Kathy had already decided to have him preserved. Right. She put him on ice and <laughs> took him to Marcus McCallowitz at Down Under... Taxidermy and pet preservation down yeah. under. Yeah, that's a that's a bit of a, 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 a an oxymoron there with his name because he's the, the, the whole point is that they're not going down under, isn't it? More of an on top. It's clever marketing there, mate. Very clever. Thank you. Very yeah, clever. Make use of the Australian down under and the and the, the animals being down under. I guess yeah, stop them from going down under. After three months in the drying chamber. Oh, jeez. Three months. That's a long time there frying. <laughs> wow. How long does your chips take? No, I, think it's, I think it's a good 45 minutes with, with some olive oil spray. Are you allowed, oh, you're allowed to spray, but it's air. What's the, what's the olive oil for? Oh, if you want to get it nice and crispy, though. Oh, all right. I wonder if they use any. There's no mention of olive oil here. No, no. Three Maybe months, peanut though. Oil. Three months, though. It's a long time. <laughs> it's a long time. Larger animals take longer. Longer than three months. Ooh. Oddball. And it gives a description. Reclining with head resting on one leg. Right. Came home again. Oh, so he's sort of on the Jason recliner. Lean back, arm behind the head. Remote, that- con- head, remote control and a smoke in the other hand. <laughs> yeah, slippers on. Yep. Maybe a coat, smoking jacket. <laughs> remote. <laughs> remote in the other hand. He's just yep. relaxing. Little, little little glass of port there next to it. Yeah. 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 I'm, that's what I'm, I'm envisioning. Jing. I have no kids and have been pretty lonely, says Kathy. Now when I walk through my house, I can see Oddball in his usual sunny spot in the front room. Right. I don't know how that's going on her Tinder profile either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, 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 how her loneliness is, is going still with Oddball perched in the corner. Oh, don't mind him. That's right. You know, he doesn't blink. It's fine. What started first, the loneliness or the freeze-dried pet in the in the in the, in the, the, the front door when you walk in? I'm not sure. Usually, maybe maybe he's on the front porch and people are sort of like, "Oh, let's go and let's go and visit Kathy." No, hang on. Let's let's uh, let's not get the kids, get the car, kids. That that's uh, that's odd boy. He's been dead for ten years. Can I interject there? So many years ago, we were uh, uh, visiting uh, down in Cape Patterson, Christina's sister, and we we're walking along and uh, there was a, um, a, a German shepherd up uh, sort of looking to try and get in the, uh, get in the front door of the house. And we're walking along and, um, and Christina's sister said, I'm getting really cross with those people because that dog is always there trying to get into that door and they just never seem to let it in. Yeah. And I got that. <laughs> Dog's not moving. I <laughs> think it's, a, it's been it's like that for five years. It's always trying to get in. It's a taxidermy dog. Oh, no. <laughs> it's it's not. Yeah, you know, I mean it's very it's very. You know, they, they told it to sit once and it stayed there the whole time. Was it? Did they have it there like as a guard dog? Do you think so that people would approach and be like, oh, don't go in, don't don't rob that house. There's a 
there's a German Shepherd there. Constant vigilance. Yeah. Constant vigilance was that dog. And did that, was it linked to, you know, you know how you can get when you walk into a shop and they've got the, the, the frog that kind of detects them when you come in? Did it have one of those? <laughs> no, this is a German Shepherd, mate. It's not going to be a little, little multi oh. shih tzu that sucked on here. You know, no, it's uh but no, so that was, I thought that was kind. So anyway, back to your, back to your story, but yes. I you know, think your, your story is much better than this one. But anyway, we'll move <laughs> on. Uh, so, and then the, so the uh, Frank, Frank, the writer of the article asked Kathy, does she move oddball about? Kathy says, actually, I did the other day. Because okay. every few months you've got to spray him to stop moths and cockroaches <laughs> eating him. <laughs> Can't you prevent that with a nice spot on on the back of the neck to try and keep the insects away? Or just mothballs just like scattered (laughs) around him. Just, you know, instead instead of, because he's a staffy, instead of having like one of those collars that have got studs on, just have a little mothball around the collar. Mothball bit of diamantes on the collar. Yes, mothball diamantes. I love it. The Swarovski mothball collar. I like it. Let's let's Google it and see if it exists. Michalowicz warns that freeze-dried animals are also susceptible to, to humidity and should never be kept near an open fireplace. Got it? Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tinderbox. Yeah. <laughs> what is it then? Do they rehydrate and come alive again? Yeah. Well, that's no. That's only on Halloween. Yeah. When the when the when the dead rise. You know, it's, oh yeah. Actually, yeah. probably if they could rehydrate. They might start to have a little bit of an odor about them potentially. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I think um, the, uh, the 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 free the freeze drying nature. I can't imagine there's all that much moisture there. So, uh, you know, I think an increase in ambient ambient temperature, and I think it might be seeing whether or not oddball, uh, you know, goes through a a, a, fi- a fiery yeah a Viking funeral. <laughs> a pyre, you think? A pyre, yeah. as they call it. I'm I'm not sure whether or not that'd be covered in the with their home insurance as to whether or not uh, you know fire you know auto combustion of an air freeze you know. Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Motor burnout, window damage, self emoliation of freeze dried, freeze dried dog. Spontaneous combustion. Oh, yeah, dog. Gosh. Kathy seems surprised when asked if Oddball's presence ever makes her uncomfortable. <laughs> For her, she's fine. The Tinder dates, yeah, they kind of have an issue yeah. with it. People don't come in as much as they used to. No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I gave that little fella all the love I possibly could. It's a real comfort to still have him around. Well, there you go. That's a, that's important for her to be able to have that, and I and I commend her uh, her love for her pet. Yeah, and I, in lockdown, yeah, that's I think that's important to have of that friend. Yep. Freeze drying isn't cheap. With financial help from an ex, Kathy paid almost four thousand to have Oddball immortalised from an ex. Yeah, it's one one point three month, a one point three, yeah, thirteen hundred dollars per month for the freeze drying because it took him three months. So that's a yeah, that's a that's a decent sized kiln, you know, kiln action there. She has no regrets. They did a lovely job, she tells me, and now I've got him for the rest of my life. And if anything happens to me, my ex has agreed to take him. Will the ex take Kathy too at that stage? Will he, three months of the dog. I reckon Kathy's probably six months in the in the air fryer. Is, is the ex coming to take both of them? Just going to make sure they keep it to the side a little bit so there's still room for the potato gems. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they broke up because maybe like that they, they, they like being around each other, but maybe the ex wasn't so keen on the 
you know, they were arguing, they kept chatting and you know, arguing too much. But now that Kathy was freeze dried as well, perhaps she'd be happy to take both the whatever. It's got a bit of Carol she Baskin about it. Hand on the, you know, oh, yeah. It's got a bit of Carol. That, that means Carol Baskin. <laughs> Got a bit of that about it, I reckon. A little bit of Tiger King there. I yes, think it does. That is a quite a story. Her ex is going to take him. Yeah, well, that what well, they because it'd be you'd, you'd want to know. You'd want to, especially now that he's going to live forever. Well, um, be, you'd want to make weird. sure he's being cared for. It'd be weird if her ex partner didn't take the freeze dry dog, wouldn't it? Called oddball. Yeah, yeah. Imagine, imagine being living next door to the ex on hard rubbish time. <laughs> Oh my goodness! How do I, where does that come from? You could not make that stuff up, are you? No, that no. That's well. Look, mate. You know, it's a it's a consumer world. You know, so if you, if someone's got a a need that needs to be needs to be scratched, then someone's got an itch for it. You know, and so that's that's great. Uh, hey, uh, what, how lucky is she that she lives in an area that uh, lives in a first world country that has that sort of thing and an ex that's willing to help to fund it? So good on her for having oddball there with her forever. I'm, I'm yeah. glad. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Good, mate. Now, have you got anything news or will we... No, will we... I've no, got, I've got good. nothing. I, I did have something and I couldn't find the something, that's so I, now I've got nothing. That's all. Well, I've got... I've got Meet Dr. Greg Veni Klaassen, the vet hey. behind the world's only clone, Przewalski's horse. Wow. No, no. That's a, thanks for bringing it, to the, bringing it to the into evidence. Tell so me about is... Dr. John. So this is from my vet candy, which is like an online candy. I don't know. Vet candy. Check it out. Dot com, probably. A cloned Texas horse named Kurt, born with genetic material from another horse that was cryopreserved. Here it is again. Here Preservation. It's, a it's theme. full circle. There's a theme. This is this is Kathy's ex. Yeah. Like <laughs> John. John and Kathy somehow related. Greg. Not John. Greg. Greg. Greg and Kathy used to date. Oh, Greg. That's a, that's a footnote. That's a footnote. Where they righty out. So he's got a crop of his horse for 40 years. He's been hanging on to that. Gee whiz, righty out. Certainly hasn't put that in front of the fireplace. He's got, he's got to, well, <laughs> he doesn't want the cockroaches and the uh, and the moths to get in there. <laughs> exactly. His insurance so, doesn't cover it. There's much, much, much more surface area in a horse for the moths to get into. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Krobs has the potential to save what is thought to be the last truly wild breed, the Przewalski's horse. Only around 2,000 of this species remains on the planet. Hey, they've got those at Werribee Zoo, I'm pretty sure. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think they're from the... Um, the uh... You Google that. We'll check it out. Yeah. Do you Google what? that? On what is it? Six... John, John Krasinski's horse? Przewalski. Przewalski. Great. Greg Venel Klaassen. Anyway, on August the 6th, 2020, the world's first successfully cloned Przewalski horse was born in Texas at the veterinary facility Timber Creek Veterinary with help from veterinarian Dr. Greg Venel Klaassen. I wonder if he knows Huns. Remember Huns? Oh, yes. It's going to save the rhinos. They could have shared a chat. Yes. And Babs, Barbara Streisand. She cloned her dog too, didn't she? She did. The foal born to a domestic surrogate court horse mother is a clone of a male Przewalski's horse whose DNA was cryopreserved 40 years ago at the San Diego Zoo. The cult's birth revives genetic diversity that has been lost to the world and has been now been recovered due to the important partnership between Revive and Restore via Gen Equine and the San Diego Zoo Global. 
The cult represents the first time this species has been cloned and scientists indicate it could provide an important model for future conservation efforts. So, have they got any at Werribee? Have we found out? Um, no. well, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just having a look. Oh, they've got a Taronga. One was born in Taronga in 2009, so that's not necessarily hot new information. The new clone foal who will be moved to the San Diego Zoo Safari Park to be integrated into a breeding herd of this species once he is older represents a major milestone for Przewalski's horse conservation. He was cloned from a cell line stored in the frozen zoo since 1980. That stadium was born in 1975 in the UK, was transferred to the US in 1978 and lived until 1998. As the new clone matures and successfully breeds, he can provide a valuable infusion of genetic diversity for the Przewalski's horse population. Well, how about that, mate? Oh, that's pretty good. So, so I was right with Przewalski's horse being in, um, uh, being a Mongo it's a Mongolian horse. Mm. So just right. check. Good. So is there a Mongol in, uh, Mongolia in Werribee? Is, there? is that what you're saying? Well, it's, 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 well, we do call it the wild, wild west for a reason. <laughs> all right. So have you got any more on that? No. No. Okay. All right. All advice on this show is general in nature. So please consult your veterinarian before following any advice to your pet. We do our best to provide the most updated information, but as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing, please let us know if we have missed anything. Now, while Robbie is still doing his deep dive nah, on yeah, Chris yeah, Walski's yeah. horse in Chris Walski's horse. Now we'll move on. In that small suburb of Mongolia, just out of Hopper's Crossing there. Uh, <laughs> it's near Tarnit, I think, isn't it, Mongolia? Fair and, yeah, I think so. Yep, yep. The Mongolian uh, steppes, Tarnit and... Jacona, Jacona, Jacona. Yeah, Tragana. 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 Tragana, yes. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back in a minute. Hey, Robbie, I'd love to give a shout-out to our friends at PetSure for their awesome free webinar series. Yeah, man, I heard about those. Aren't they called Pause and Learn, as in P-A-W-S? <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, mate, there's nothing like a good acronym. It got your attention. <laughs> it certainly did, mate. But seriously, the PetSure webinars cover some amazing topics, though. They sure do. There's one on COVID-19 and pets, very topical, and essential viewing for all concerned pet parents in this COVID-19 world. Indeed, mate, and for vets as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. There's also another one called Setting Up Your New Pet for Success. And here's one that's really important, Helping Pets Avoid Separation Anxiety. That'd be right in your wheelhouse, wouldn't it? Oh, mate, love that. Anything on behaviour, that's absolute gold. Oh, mate, it's all gold, gold, gold for pet sure, yeah. And you know they're presented by Pet Shore's Chief Vet, Dr. Danny Hulhan, friend of the podcast, and also they have a range of other pet experts for each topic, so you know you're getting the good stuff. Oh, mate, that sounds great. So to learn more about these webinars or to register, visit petsure.com.au slash webinars. Registration is free, but spots are limited, and since we've just registered, two less. So make sure you secure your spot today. Oh, T's and C's apply. Visit petsure.com.au for more information. Okay, so this week we're going to do part two, aren't we, of COVID part two. and puppies. Everyone's, certainly around Melbourne, everyone is adopting uh, shelter dogs and taking on new COVID puppies in this time. And I saw this week, 
that uh, uh, sent you a text message. Ten yes. grand for a cavoodle puppy now. Incredible. She um, we had um, so we, because we haven't been able to do uh, our normal puppy classes at um at, at the clinic. We've actually been doing uh, a Zoom puppy classes, and uh, <laughs> it's lucky we're doing the Zoom ones because there's no way we'd be able to fit all of the puppies that were been wow. that have been coming. Like I think um, I think we had uh, there were twelve or thirteen wow. people on the Zoom the the Zoom meeting that we had uh, during the week. Crazy, yeah! It, it, so many puppies. Is so everyone puppies. just holding them up to the camera? Is that kind of how it works? Or yeah, they hold their bums up to the camera so that way they can sort of yeah, so that so they can sort of at least pretend. Well, they you, sniff surely you tell half of them to hold their heads up, the noses first, and the other half be their bums, so they could sort of just you know, and then then rotate around, so they all get a good check out of each other. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so they have the the odds and evens. Yeah. So that so that way you know, you know, so that way you don't have too many too many bums or not enough. You know, heads, you know, because you want to, you want to keep it even. Yeah, exactly. So speaking a, of even, we got an email from uh, Decal Gal, Susan uh, Baker. Hey, Susan. hey, Susan. Hey, Dr. Lewis and Dr. Robbie. It's been a hot minute since my last email. Red hot oh, minute. Very yes. good. Uh, the interview with Dr. Eleanor was fantastic and very informative. That was our uh, our anesthesiologist we had a couple of weeks ago. So good, yes. good to hear. Oh, and then she's talking about the podcast awards. Where do we cast our vote? Is it open to everyone? The two vets. Two Vets Talk Pets podcast is number one in my book. Oh, thank you very much, Suzanne. Thanks, Susan. But maybe if Lewis's wife Deb was on the show more, you guys might get a higher rating this time. May do. Thanks, thanks. Uh, appreciate you. Yeah. A bit of a congrats and a slap at the same time. That's all good. Then she has a question. Fair enough. She knows. She knows what's going to work. You know. I have a couple of questions about potty training puppies. What age is best to start training them? And are there some breeds of dogs that are more difficult to train? I've heard from clients that Dachshunds and Shih Tzus are the most stubborn. Truth or myth? So look, I'll answer the first question. Yes. Best time to start training is when you get them home. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, you go ahead, mate. Uh, uh, Dachshunds, Shih Tzu. <laughs> I'll give you the easy one there. Yeah, oh no! Look, they're they're all they're all fine and well enough, you know. I don't reckon. I don't think hard it... necessarily. I mean, you get you do seem to get some dogs that, you know, a classic one is the owners that come in at about 10, 12 weeks of age for the first sort of vet check or vaccination, and they go, "It's already toilet trained." Yep, no, he's going outside. He's she's toilet trained. Does everything. No, 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 I haven't made a mess. You like. It's only been in your house three days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give it time. Give yeah. it time. Yeah. Um, and, and do you think there's a little bit of that Shannon fruit as well that when, you know, the, those what? people. What's that? that? Shannon fruit? Sh- Sh- yeah. Shannon fruit. Yeah. It grows, Shannon grows, fruit. grows from the, the, from the Shannon tree. No, no. Shannon, Shannon or Shannon Freud. It's Shannon fruit. It's a. Shannon Freud. Is it? Shannon Freud. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a German word. It's yeah. a. Um, Shannon Freud. When, when you, when you take, um, uh, what was it? When you take pleasure in other people's misery. So, or other people's misfortune. Right. So those people where they go, Oh yeah, no, my dog's doing absolutely fine. The it's toilet <laughs> training trivia and comes in for the next one. I go, Oh yeah, no, look, we've had to get the couch re 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 upholstered. <laughs> yeah. The, the Persian on, rug's gone. You got any tips on toilet training and you know, next vaccination? <laughs> like, oh, I'm pretty sure I wrote the notes when you toilet trained last week. That's interesting. <laughs> we've got uh, taken a couple of steps back. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think there's a breed thing. I don't know. I think sometimes, I reckon a bit of perception, smaller dogs maybe sometimes are a little bit more, not the more difficult, but I reckon the smaller dog is the more it's carried around. Yeah. So the less chance, you know, and then it's put down and it goes, oh, I'll go to the toilet now. So 
maybe a smaller dog, whereas a bigger dog, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, uh, perhaps on the ground a bit more, you're watching it more on the ground. Mm. And a bigger dog, I guess, maybe when they do a wee, it's a bigger wee or they do a poo, it's a bigger poo. So it's yep. going to make more mess. So you're more likely to perhaps be a bit more vigilant with a larger dog than maybe a smaller dog who does a little wee that you just go, oh, well, it's a little wee, it's, it's cute. So, yeah. but as far as uh, sort of you know, harder or easier to train, I don't, I don't see any sort of, uh, you know, anything too exciting about that. No, I do think um, the, anecdotally it is a little bit more difficult with the little ones in the in the crappy weather. You know, when it's when it's wet and miserable and cold and the grass is wet. You know, the, the, the your little you know little Shih Tzus and oodles and things like that. I really don't like going out and into the into the run. I mean, no no dog loves it, but it always seems like the big dogs seem a little bit more robust with going out and getting used to it, going at a toilet out in the uh, out in the weather. Whereas the little ones are just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to hold on and then go under the dining table. Yeah, or particularly a wet grass, I think, or wet outside. A lot of dogs don't like getting their feet wet, so yeah. it feels a bit different. So, so I thought we'd perhaps talk about potty training or toilet Sounds training good. first up. So, uh, you know, the first thing, I guess, when you bring your puppy home, and yeah, like I said, you know, you just start from you know, the first day you come home, really, yeah. or the second day you're home. There's no reason to hold off to a certain age. I guess if you've got a litter of puppies and you, you've, you've had the puppy since, uh, you, know, um, you know, sort of since... Uh, uh, since it was born at your house, I, I suppose, uh, they tend to probably follow mum around a little bit and start to learn off mum a bit. So yeah. they're sort of getting taught from the start anyway, from the time they're ambulant, they can walk around a little bit. So so um, there's no sort of set age, but really by the time you get the puppy home. So the first thing you've got to decide is where do you want the puppy to go when they're an adult? So yes. a lot of owners, a lot of owners come in, they say, oh, we've got the puppy pee training mats or whatever they are, and we put them in the in this location in the house and, and yet we're trying to get him to go on him or her to go on the mat, but you know, yet we go, we go on the mat sometimes. And I'm like, well, where do you want them to go when they're older? I, yeah. Oh, well outside on the grass. Yeah. Well, okay. So you try to train them to go on the mat and then you're going to train them a second time to not go on the mat and a third time to go out on the grass outside. So you're actually sort of three training processes you've got going on there. So I always say, look, where do you want them to go? I know it's raining outside. It's getting yeah. warmer, warmer here, but you know, it sometimes can be, cold outside snowing maybe it depends where yeah. you're listening but you've got to you got to start and say look that's where i want them to go it's that spot outside so you choose that spot outside and start the training going to that spot outside yeah. or the balcony or whatever it is you, you've got for them it could be a puppy pee mat it doesn't matter but just need to think this is the spot we want them to go when they're five years old yes there are four times when they're most likely to go to the toilet so when they first just after eating drinking just after sleeping and they first wake up, just after some vigorous play and after what I call release from confinement. So maybe you've got them in a small room overnight in, in the laundry or in a, the crate or in a baby's playpen overnight and you let them out from there or you come home um, and that's another time. It's often within sort of at least within 20 minutes of those sorts of behaviours. So I say to owners at those times, you need to put the dog on a leash and a collar and put them on the ground take them out to the spot you want them to go to and stand with them. Yeah. Stay with them. You're not distracted. You're not on your phone. You're not doing level 342 mm. on Candy Crush and yeah. not, not, not watching the dog. You might need to be out there for 20 minutes or so. And when they do eventually go, and if they do go, you make a big fuss right at that time. We're puppy, puppy, good dog. Good dog. Oh, did 
get your wheeze. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. As Ruben looks over and wonders, what's going on, Dad? <laughs> that, it's Pavlovian for him yeah. because you know, he's been getting, so he's doing that. He's just feeling the feeling the sphincter trying well, to release. Well, he's just run outside, mate. He's, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> on the pe- not 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 on the not on the puppy mat. We got rid of that straight away. <laughs> Ever since I gave you that training, he's gone straight outside. He's on straight the straight outside. Little grass Straight onto the lemon tree, you know, <laughs> another lemon tree dead. Excellent. <laughs> and, and then also add a food reward in there. So you give them a really tasty treat when they've done it and give it at that time straight away. Yeah. Don't go bring it back inside and then give them the treat. You need to have that treat in your hand, in your pocket, and you pull it out and give it to them sort of, sort of straight away. Some, some owners then, you know, they're saying, I'm doing what you're saying, Lewis, but every time we out there for 20 minutes, we come inside straight away. We're caught, you know, sort of, uh, dropping down, squatting, doing a wee as soon as we sort of come inside. So I then tell owners to set a timer um, on, on their phone or, or somewhere uh, for every one to two hours, depending on the dog. And when it goes off, go, oh, that reminds me, I've got to take take uh, you know spot yeah. out for, for, for a wee on the spot. So um, so that just gives you a little that mental reminder every one or two hours, yep, I've got to take us outside. And same sort of thing on lead and collar, go to the spot, we we go in the spot um, and then and then reward with with some food rewards and let us know that we've done the right thing. And so interesting what you're saying about the um, when they come in and then go to the toilet inside. Because I often say to people, look, if you if they have done one of those four things, the the the, the eat and played, you know, been confined, and you've stood outside for the twenty minutes and they haven't gone to the toilet, or all they want to do is come in. Chances are they want to go to the toilet. They want to come inside to go to the toilet. So sometimes also look, you come in. But then go straight back out again because you know you kn- you know that the- you know that their back teeth are going to be floating. You know there's not much point giving them a- an opportunity of going under the dining table. Head back out there again once they week. Then puppy puppy puppy. Good stuff. You know because you-, you know that they've got to try and go. Yeah, good. It's a good one. Yeah, I like that. And then of course if you've got them inside and you, know, you notice them circling or sniffing or you know checking out like uh, like they're starting to think about going to the toilet, pick them up. Take them outside, yeah. put them on that spot, lead and collar, all that sort of thing. And then if they do go and do go at that time, it's perfect. A little bit of training, you know, the food reward, let them know they've done the right thing. If you do what I call catch them in the act, you know, yes. they're, they're just starting to squat or just cocking their leg or just starting to go, I tell them to give a little soft clap or some sort of noise that will distract them slightly without making them too scared, without giving them too much of a fright. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then if that sort of has stopped them from doing it halfway through, take them outside to the spot you want them to go, stay with them. If they finish on the spot that you like, then yeah, fine to reward them. They've done the right yep. thing. They've, they've done the weasel poos outside. So, um, so give them the food reward out there. It is important though, when, when you do, when you do, um, uh, when you do catch them in the act, you've got to be careful that you don't make a noise too loud that it actually scares the puppy and they yes. sort of run off or get petrified. Because you do, you know, uh, you do run a little bit of a risk if you punish them in that doing that activity that they learn that if I go to the toilet in front of Lewis, uh, he gets angry and upset. So I'm now going to go behind the couch when he's not looking or yeah. in the other room when he's not looking. This is a naughty feeling, and so I need to hide when I get my naughty feeling. Yeah, because you've got to realise they don't know why you're angry at them. They might think you're angry at them because you've gone to the toilet in front of them, not that you're angry at them because they went to the toilet in the wrong spot. So yes. they really don't don't sort of understand that. So you need to just take it back a little bit. And similar to that is all about the rubbing the nose in it. You know, if they've... Um, you know, if they've done a wee or a poo and the puppy's gone, you know, we've walked away, 
all you've got to do is is clean it up. There's clean no, it up time. Yep. No, it's, it's archaic. It's old fashioned. It's inhumane to come out and and rub their nose in it. Um, not a nice thing. And you know, pure behaviour principles. If you're looking at that as a punishment technique. For it to be truly effective, if you're trying to do punishment, it's got to be within two seconds of the behaviour occurring. Yeah. And even then, you've got to be able to tell the puppy, it's got to be able to understand, well, you're, uh, yes, you're rubbing my nose in here because I have been to the toilet in the wrong spot. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then the dog might think, oh, you're rubbing my nose in it because uh, there's poo there. You know, yeah. Or because whatever reason, who knows? So so they're just not, they just don't learn. So, they so don't wait. get it. They don't get it. Exactly. Yeah. Mate, I think a lot of the times, you know, when people start getting, you know, they want to, you know, get frustrated when they found that the that their pet has toileted inside inappropriately, it's probably more just them feeling frustrated with themselves. They're going, "Oh crap, you know, I missed it. You know, my fault, my bad." You know, it's a they're they're a, they're a puppy. You know? Exactly. It's, R- it's not R- their fault. Wrap your own nose in it. It's going to yes. work better. It's going to work oh. better. Allow you to remember <laughs> next time that you need to watch the dog more closely. And, 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 and be with them more closely and, and monitor their signs because that'll probably teach you a fair bit if you rub your nose in it. You've heard it here first, listeners, Dr. Lewis. Yeah, yeah rub right. your nose in your puppy poo. Yeah, you Make right. sure your puppies have been wormed <sighs> first, though. <laughs> 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 you know, you get going your to the front door instead of having you know, a little bit of white powder underneath your nose. You got, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. No, enjoying, actually. Been enjoying a cupcake, have you? <laughs> oh. And cleaning up. When you clean up, make sure you clean up. Don't use a lot of chemicals, a lot of vinegar or ammonia products. Um, you know, use a, there's a product called Uranoff you can get or Biozet laundry detergent or Back to Nature Animal Odor Eliminator, a really good for enzyme stuff. If you're in America, they've got a stuff called Anti-Icky Poo. Oh, no, nice. It's right there up. on the label. It's really good stuff, that one. Um, uh, and then uh, at um, if you're... You're going out or perhaps uh, your puppy's going to bedtime. Uh, you want to keep them in a small area is, is better than allowing them full access to the house to roam around. Um, you might, in one corner of the room, you'll have the food and water, another corner of the bedding, and the third corner might be those puppy pee mats or something like that or some, some toilet paper or that sort of thing. And you'll find over time that in that small environment, the dog is more likely to hold on. Yeah. Um, and you might get a few accidents initially, but then over time they'll, they'll learn to their, their bladder tone will increase and they'll learn to hold on for longer. Um, so that's really important for, for when you go out. And then when you do get them up in the morning, perfect time, lead on, collar on, or collar might already be on, outside to the spot that, that you want to go to them. And consistency is the key with that, isn't it? You know, yeah. if they know that I, I see my owner, the lead goes on, I go outside, I do a wee, I get told I'm a good dog and I get a treat. They learn. They, they they put all the pieces of the puzzle together. Exactly, Matt. And I mean, the most, the most important thing is it does take time. It is is a lot of consistency. And I say to owners, you know, if you can sort of get your puppy to do anywhere between six to twelve times where they go outside, and you're rewarding them for going out in the right spot, and if you get about six to twelve of those, that they're pretty well on their way to getting yeah. getting the hang of what's going on. And oftentimes, what you find is the the poos and wheeze actually end up getting closer and closer to the exit door, right. um, which shows the dog's trying to tell you that I want to go out there, but the door's shut, or you miss their cues, or whatever it might be. So. Yeah. And, and I mean, we do have a, a strict sort of behaviour definition of a dog being toilet trained, and that's no accidents uh, for for six weeks essentially, and that, ah. that's 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 my and I think behaviourist definition of a dog that is 
toilet trained if you have no accidents inside for six weeks. That's when you get them off their pee plates. Hey, there. Ah, see what you see, did there. see what I did there? Very nice. nice. Very, very well done. So, so those puppies that have been in the home for three or four days and they're toilet yeah. trained, no, they are not. They've been at least in the house for six weeks. Yes. Uh, I think it's... Um, I always say to people, yeah, look, it's, it, it's frustrating, you know, but geez, you'd love to be able to toilet train your kid in the length of time that it takes to toilet train a dog. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty, it's, if they're pretty, they're pretty cluey and it's pretty good being able to get it done within six weeks. Cause gee, was, I, went, I went through an awful lot of pink donuts trying to you know, convince Camille to get onto the toilet. So, you know, that was the way that I trained her. Is that how you got so fat mate? Eating all those pink donuts? Yeah, yeah, that was bad because she because she wouldn't do, go to the toilet. I'd eat the donuts in front of her. It's terrible. That's right. You get no. You just get the donuts and rub your nose in the donuts. Yeah. When she didn't go when she went in nappies. That was that how it worked. She loved it's exactly. You know? It's exactly how it went. How did you know? You must have read my book. A number of times, hundred of times, I got you on the Zoom and you're pink all over your nose. I was like, oh, <laughs> this must be the light. But it's all those donuts. <laughs> Ah, very good. Now we've got, uh, what have we got, 10 minutes or so? We, let's, let's move on. We'll move on to socialisation of puppies in COVID time. Nice. Is another important. Thing that, uh, yes, yeah, it, is, it is really important. So this, uh, I've taken this from an article written by Alana Reisner, who's an excellent uh, behaviour specialist, veterinary behaviour specialist over in America. Uh, she's part of the American College of Veterinary Behaviourists. So go and check her out on Facebook. Um, I uh, forget what, uh, what the name, but look up Alana Reisner and you'll, you'll find her. She has some great Facebook posts. So during the unprecedented quarantine and relative isolation of the pandemic, dog and cat adoptions and applications for foster homes are surging. In many ways, it seems to be ideal time to welcome a new family member, member since most of us are compelled to stay home or as we are in Melbourne, in lockdown. Yes. But it's also a time of social distancing distancing we cannot invite everybody over uh, to pet our puppies or our new rescues and we, are we inadvertently creating an entire generation of fearful and unsocialized dogs and that's a be is a big concern that, that mm. we do have as a veterinary profession is, is yes are we not socializing uh, our, our dogs properly but also um what's going to happen when we all go back to work because yes all they've known is us being home the whole time so I guess the first thing is, what is socialisation? It is a well-recognised developmental stage in puppies, which uh, sort of ends, which goes from sort of three to 14 or 16 weeks of age. So three weeks uh, to, to uh, four months of age, approximately, when they're especially receptive to new social relationships and attachments. However, socialisation is not a one-size-fits-all path to normal behaviour in dogs, and it certainly doesn't end with a slam door at 14 to 16 weeks. In fact, all dogs continue to learn for better or for worse as they mature and for the rest of their lives. This is important for new puppies under 16 weeks of age, but equally important for newly adopted adult dogs. Furthermore, the socialisation process itself is often misunderstood. Forcing a worried puppy into a sp- in strangers' arms can backfire and teach him that strangers are to be feared, regardless of whether he's still within the sensitive period. I mean, that's something, you know, when, when we used to go to schools and stuff, that was one of the worst things I reckon we'd see is that the new puppy would be, be um, you know, home with the kids and mum would come, mum or dad would come to the school gate with a new puppy in their arms and all the kids would just absolutely like you know flies to bees to honey flies to something else yep they would just flock 
to the puppy and and the puppy be really you could tell the puppy was scared stiff and potentially that's actually making the puppy be sensitive to the approach of kids which is not yes. an ideal situation not at all no so really important to you know remember that also some dogs young or older anxious worried leery or reserved due to innate, due to innate behaviors what's that leery 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 it must be an american term it's american yeah. leery Leary-eyed, wary. I'm going to give you the leer. Due to genetic behaviours or a result of early experience. Shy puppies may be fearful and forcing them to accept patting, approaching, lifting and other interactions can worsen their fear even more. So, yeah, be aware of that. Successful socialisation means more than just ticking off a downloaded list of stimuli without monitoring and managing the puppy's response to each. So a normal puppy will have a perhaps a slightly fearful response initially, but quickly rebounds and might investigate, you know, whatever it is that, that they were initially fearful of. So here's some tips for socialization. Household humans. If you live with others, take advantage of the variety of people in your household. Everyone should spend individual quality time by playing, feeding, grooming, cuddling, and gently handling the new family member. The differences between big and small people, adults and children, bearded and non-bearded men and women right under your own roof can be significant. Right. That's a lot of people living under one roof. I know. I know. That's a big social bubble, isn't it? <laughs> uh, household sounds. There are many sources of sounds similar in your home. Watch your puppy or dog to see how they react to the doorbell, microwave, TV sounds and images, phone ringtones and piano, uh, pianos and electronic toys. A typical puppy alerts to the sound and shows some curiosity, but then recovers or shows more some, some, a little bit of fear, I think it should say there, but then recovers with some more curiosity. Mm. So you reassure and feed the puppy if they seem worried and then reintroduce the sound at a lower volume or an increased distance again, and then build it up slowly over time. Learning to be alone. And this is an important one. The quarantine honeymoon period will soon be over and you won't have as much time to spend together because learning to be without people is as, as important as learning to be with them. Now is the time to teach your puppy to stay by herself in a crate or a gated area or a small room. For adult rescues, acclimation to a crate should be slower, taking care to recognise distress. Mm. Place your crate in, an, in a uh, nice area, such as a corner of the family room or in your bedroom. Provide a chew or a food-stuffed toy in the crate and cover it if that seems to help your dog. Go for some neighbourhood walks. Well, as you actually say, go out and just put the bins out initially. Just start yeah. something really, really small. Walk out the front yard and come back in again. Um, go, yeah, go for walks without your puppy or spend time in another room cooking or reading. Learning to be without you will be useful skin for the rest skill for the rest of their life. Absolutely. Really important though with that separation that the puppy's not getting too distressed and is given something really enjoyable that the, they want to be doing at that time. And it's often something food related, like a you know, cold with some peanut butter in it or something like that. Yeah. Uh, then there's environmental stimuli. Socialization can apply to environmental as well as social stimuli. There are limitless examples outdoors to which you can introduce your puppy or new adult safely. Remember to allow him to take his time in approaching, stepping on or passing the stimulus. Reassure, feed, bounce a ball and cajole 
but never force. So encourage them, but don't force them. Don't drag them over to the thing that they're scared of. Come but, on over here. The bus is fine. Even check. though it's you know, making lots of noise, it'll be okay. Exactly. So there's different textures. There's, you know, there's asphalt, grass, and even trails, wet and dry conditions. There's traffic and traffic sounds, bikes, skateboards, other wheels, all from a safe distance initially. And all the different weather, you know, there's, there's rain, there's wind, there's thunderstorms, there's darkness, there's daylight. Social stimuli. Even while we have to maintain a safe distance from each other, there are safe ways to introduce your puppy or adult dog to the people and animals around them. If you live in an area where people walk and exercise nearby, briefly stop and talk to others while staying at least one and a half metres away. Point those people out to your puppy and tell them about her, but be sure she is aware of them. But watch your, your puppy or dog's body language. If you have luxury of time and distance from others to allow identification of fear or over-exuberance. So sometimes an overreactive, really excited puppy is actually an overly anxious mm. puppy that, that's very, very excited. We've talked about that before on the show. This is a great opportunity to learn about our social boundaries in a safe way. Use plenty of food and reassuring happy words. Sit on the ground with her while you talk to your neighbours about how perfect she is. Oh. oh. About how how you you know how well they're toilet trained after three days. That's right, exactly. <laughs> this is also a good opportunity to expose her at a safe distance to other dogs. In fact, it's better for all new puppies or rescue dogs to meet others from a distance rather than have close encounters with dogs who might be aggressive. You might also walk past dogs in fence yards who bark or run along with you. Again, this is an opportunity to watch your puppy's reactions and respond accordingly. Always use a happy voice and give bits of food to reassure her. This is a type of counter conditioning teaching her to have good, have consistently good associations with the dogs in her world. And then the final thing you can do is some training. Uh, there's much more to puppy or new dogs education than simply what we used to call or do call obedience training. Now is the time to introduce a vocab between you and your puppy. Shower them with positive reinforcement for appropriate behaviour. Take advantage of amazing resources available on the internet and they recommend Kiko Pup on YouTube. So that's K-I-K-O, Pup. Uh, check them out on YouTube. Or well, there's a really good book put out by the American College of Veterinary Behaviourists called Decoding Your Dog, which I've got a copy of, it and it's great. Um, and there are other books as well. So you can learn, learn all about clicker training if that's what you want to do. Um, you don't really need necessarily to have the military police dog style obedience sort of stuff. Um, your dog having damn pat. But you do want just some basic sort of things that the, the responses from, from your puppy, maybe get them to sit, yeah. you know, um, maybe get them to drop. You know, you can do some fun things like roll over or, or pretend to play dead or, you know, high five, whatever it is you want to yes. do. But certainly doing that sort of stuff on a daily basis can help to enrich their world. So socialisation does not follow a universal recipe. Each puppy is an individual, of course, and you're dealing with genetic predispositions regardless of breed or mix as well as the baggage of prior experiences before adoption. But healthy and adequately socialization during the time of COVID can take you further than bad socialization would if no social distancing were in place. The trick is to use what you have and to help your puppy feel safe in the world. Oh, there you go. Is it, doesn't that, what a, what a lovely way to, to finish off on that. Yeah. Um, one thing um, you know, we were talking last week about, uh, you know, the difficulties of having young puppies coming into the clinic now without having um, the, the owners there. Um, and so uh, this, this week we've been really concentrating on the little puppies because you got so many of them coming in yep. that we actually 
sit down with them on the ground and let them have a sniff around and give them a pat. And, you know, they run between staff members and have them let them run around in the waiting room and things like that. So it's not just, okay, in, and we're going to check your ears and check in your mouth. Yeah, and do it and nice. It's been crap, crap, crap stuff. It's that thing of just trying to uh, trying to give them as many positive things as what you can um, while while we're in this sort of unprecedented time. Perfect. You know? Exactly. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get a puppy in and uh, I'll put it on the ground in the concert room for the start. Let it just walk around. I'll um, often smear some peanut butter on the ground so I can find a bit of that, throw some treats on the ground, and then when it seems comfortable in the room, then I'll yeah, drop down to it. So, yeah, squat on the floor, you know, ignore it, see if it wants to come up, say good day. You know, give it some treats, you know, and I might put it on the table, give a bit more peanut butter, smear on the table, then put it back down on the floor again, you know. So really yeah. just sort of get it used to being handled, used to, oh, I can interact if I want to, but I don't have to. You know, going over and saying hi to the nurses, yeah, it's all, it's all really, really even more important, I think, because we talked last week or a couple of weeks ago about how with these times that often puppies are only meeting the people in their home environment. Yeah. And then they're coming to the vet. And that's all the, that's the, the two sort of groups of people that we're meeting. Mm. So at home, everything good happens at home, but we're coming to the vets and that's where something, not bad, but you know, potentially that might hurt a little bit, having a vaccine, having yeah. a look in the ears or, you know, treating ears that are, um, that are sore or looking in the mouth. So it is really important. There's no dilution of seeing 50 other people on the street who are yes. all giving us treats and we're sort of forgetting about the experience of the vet because of that. Um, so I think it's it's making it even even a little bit more important that we just take the time with the puppies in the vet clinic. Yeah, yeah, that, and and it's good to be able to pat puppies. Yeah, isn't it? You know, it that's all we do good. all day. That's all that's we, what do, we all day. do all day. There's no puppies, vomiting. Kittens. No, no vomiting Labradors that have eaten eaten rat bait. That's it. Rat bait. No, no. There's no. You know. Yeah. All, all these other horrible things. It's just all puppies. It's all puppies. puppies. Kittens. It's, it's all puppies and pink donuts in your house, isn't it, mate? How did you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All righty, guys. Well, I reckon that's a wrap. If you uh, if you've got any questions about anything we talked about today or anything at all, uh, you can send us one in, like uh, Suzanne has our decal gal. Thank you very much, Suzanne. Uh, you can get us at twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. You can find us at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Robbie's on TikTok. Uh, house party. Um, anything else vet. we're on? Don't what was that? 30, 30, 30 second vet things ruining, you know, ruining veterinary medicine. You know, you were sitting through from the from that other pod. You know, yeah, oh yes, on, on on TikTok, just just solving veterinary issues. In, exactly, you know. exactly. And also on Patreon, if you if you like the rubbish we talked about today, you think it was helpful, maybe I hope it was. Yeah. Hey, the uh, last off. half was pretty good. The first half was a bit was a bit loose, but the last half was, was gold. Yeah, we bring it home, don't we? Always bring it home at the end. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you have to get through the waffle to start to get the good at the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so we're on Patreon. How can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? Yes. Or donuts. Or donuts, yes. Donuts, if you don't learn to go to the toilet properly. Uh, Patreon.com and search for Two Vets Talk Pets and you can help us out. Uh, yes. Alrighty, guys. Uh, we'll scratch you later. Yes, peace out. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to Two Vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at VetBehaviorist, and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.